Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know, this would be a great day if it was like October 2020, because I remember in the summer of 2020 saying, man, that Durham report, it's got to come out. Yeah. It's the middle of May 2023. Yeah. And here we are. Too late to really do anything about it. It really doesn't matter at this point. I mean, I think it's fairly revelatory. Uh, This took four years to put together. We finally have the report from special counsel John Durham. This is the guy who's been investigating the origins of the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory and what the FBI did in order to advance this idea that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election by working with the Russians. Well, he found that the FBI never should have pursued a full investigation because there was never any evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the election. But we knew this already. And the question is, what do you do with this information at this point? Because uh, they're not, he's not recommending criminal charges. No. Not recommending any changes to how the Bureau operates. No. It's just sort of like, okay, well, yeah, here's what we already knew. Okay. Thanks, dude. Okay. <laughs> so we constantly hear about, this is a threat to democracy. Yeah. No, 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 no. This, what happened was actually democracy being stopped. Yes. So, yeah, what what they found was that, yes, the Clinton campaign uh, may have sourced Russian disinformation in order to push their own disinformation, and the Obama White House was aware of this. The Clinton plan, they were aware, they were briefed that Hillary Clinton's team was going to start spreading rumors that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians to spread disinformation in an effort to steal the election. And then the intelligence agencies know that this is all bogus, but run with it anyway. Yes. To destroy one politician. Yes. Isn't that stopping democracy? That is a coup. (laughs) That's an attempted coup. That's what that is. But we're not recommending that anyone get in trouble. No. Help me understand it's, that. It's well, kind of, you just said it. I mean, there's right. nothing else to understand. It's, That's it. To me, this is like the, uh, the no call on the pass interference playoff uh, <laughs> thing with the New Orleans Saints. It's kind of like everybody knows that your favorite team got jobbed. Everyone knows that. But there is no way to remedy it. Except I don't know that people on the left st- still know it. Did you see any of the coverage today on the Today Show yeah, or Good Morning the, America? I, oh, nothing really proven. Yeah, but I, I think the interesting part of, of this, and I, I've pointed this out before, is when you're watching media coverage on a, on a breaking news event that may, looks, may make someone on the left look bad, when something like the Durham report drops, the mm-hmm. initial reactions are usually miles away from what winds up getting settled on in uh, the next 12 hours or so. Yeah, that's probably true. When you have the gut reaction, you have Mm -hmm. something like Jake Tapper on CNN saying, "Uh, yeah, this is pretty bad. 
the report is now here. It has dropped. And it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is regardless devastating to the FBI. And to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. Okay. And then they so clean that, that is up. that I think to your point, David, that's the gut reaction. Yeah. And it should be devastating to the FBI. What does the word devastating mean? Yeah, right. But well, used to be there would be people held accountable and possibly people going to jail. None of that's going to happen. Nope. So it's not really devastating at all. Right. <laughs> right. They got caught doing yes. this. Right. Running a domestic disinformation campaign to discredit a politician that the left didn't like. Yes. And nothing is going to happen. That's correct. That's amazing. They, they are apparently <laughs> now, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they're in the, it's in the works. Bull Durham 2, starring John Durham, has a former prosecutor whose lifelong dream is to play professional baseball. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing baseball into everything, basically. Well, I, you know, I'm looking for some sort of funny here. That's all. It's because it's so. It's, I'm sorry, man. It's just crazy. not crazy. No, it's not. No. It's, it's 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 really disappointing. Can I just tell you something? At least, at least, the New York Times and some of these other idiots were wrong when they were when they were receiving their Pulitzers for all the great work they did on the Russian collusion yeah. Donald Trump story. Well, and as far as I can tell, they basically inside D.C., inside New York, inside. You know, big media there. They knew this was all BS because yeah. the word was around D.C. They're going to give their Pulitzers back? Oh, of course not. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the only time in their miserable lives they can actually beat their chest on something. <laughs> See? <laughs> give me a break. All right. More on that a little bit later. Um, so let's get to the case of what's going on in New York City. Yeah. Because, you know, unfortunately, people die every day, especially in big cities. And it's all tragic. But this has captured the nation, as they say, yeah. because the element of race is involved. And the left loves to put a spotlight on that to forward a narrative that's not true. Yeah. So this is the case of Daniel Penny. This is the Marine veteran who restrained a violent criminal on a New York subway. And that criminal, Jordan Neely, wound up dying. And Daniel Penny is now being charged with manslaughter after initially being cleared by the police. And then, you know, the DA went out and said, well, we'll put, you know, a grand jury together, which is how this process works and mm -hmm. all of that and see if there will be any charging decision. And then the Manhattan DA caved to leftist pressure. And you're right. It was it was here's a white guy who had a had a black man in a chokehold and he did a good Michael Jackson impression 10 years ago. And that means that this is obviously murder. Doesn't make any sense, but, you know, the, the powers that be caved to that pressure and without even talking to a grand jury decided to charge this former Marine who stepped up, this retired Marine who stepped up to try to protect people on a mm -hmm. subway. And now a give, send, go fundraiser for his legal defense is in the millions now. Because, oh, rain and cash. Yeah. All over. Yep. His lawyer, Steve Razor, soon to be millionaire, if he's not already, yeah. uh, he was on Fox News and he was asked why he thinks so many people are willing to give to this cause. And I think he nails it uh, here. Well, I think it really struck a chord. And I think that people understand what is at risk here. It goes to the very essence of what keeps us safe, each other. 
right? We do have the police, right? We do have the, the uh, first responders, and we rely on them. We truly do. But the reality is they can't be everywhere. And when somebody says, you know what, I'm going to help, we want that to be encouraged, not discouraged. And what is everybody who's donating to this fund, it's not even about the money anymore. It's about, I want to be part of this. I want to stand up and say, I, I respect Danny and what he tried to do, that he did what he did, and I want to make sure he understands that that's the way we want people to be, to try and help one another, to step forward and help, even if it means putting yourself in danger. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Well, I think about, you know, Megyn Kelly said this the other day, where they were trying to demonize this guy. And she said, go take a poll with women who mm-hmm. ride the subway. And ask if they want more Daniel Pennies on the subway. Yeah. I guarantee you they're going to say, yes, would love more people like that, that would stand up when people get threatened. Yeah. Or someone else's life is being threatened. Absolutely. But this is just another chance for the left to make a race war. Yeah. Uh, that's oh, yeah. part well, of the whole strategy. You ask the simple question, who would you rather be riding in an elevator with, Daniel Penny or Jordan <laughs> Neely? Well, well is he doing say, Michael Jackson at the time, though? <laughs> and the left would say, well, it depends on what race you are. <laughs> Which, again, man, I would bring up my point, and I haven't heard anyone disagree with this. If you take the same situation and change the race of the two players involved, and you make Daniel Penny a black Marine and put that against the white homeless guy that does what a Michael Jackson, I guess that would be cultural appropriation, does a great Kid Rock impersonation. I don't know. All right, and people loved him for it. Back from the Ba with the Ba days, but now he's threatening people and he's assaulted people. And this black marine put him in a chokehold and didn't yeah. mean to kill him, but he did. Yeah. Do you think anybody on the left would be feeling bad about that? Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. And I don't think anyone on the right would feel bad about that. The people on the right, their opinion would be the same. Mm-hmm. Good for him for standing up. Yeah. And trying to defend people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Joy Reid on MSNBC would come out swinging, talking about how we need to have a national conversation about Kid Rock radicalizing homeless people. <laughs> it's not homeless anymore either. Get oh, it right, Oh, sir. it's houseless. Houseless, That's yes. the dumbest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes. Kid Rock, with his song Podunk, made it cool to be poor and houseless. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, don't give a flying hillbilly <laughs> bleep. bleep. <laughs> yes. Uh, new controversy when it comes to beer. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, this is kind of dumb to me, but the, the controversy, I mean. Uh, this started blowing up yesterday, a digital ad from Miller Lite. The thing was actually put online in March for International Women's Day, but mm-hmm. post the whole Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light thing, I think a lot of people are on edge, not necessarily thinking things through. The whole thing is about celebrating women farmers and beer producers where they take old beer ads featuring women in bikinis, composting it, and they use that compost to grow more ingredients for the beer. Because it was so sexist back in the day when these beer companies would have women in bikinis to sell beer. Yeah, so the commercial shows a bunch of old bikini ads and whatnot, like printed out cardboard cutouts and ads and whatnot, and then they go from Look at this Wild. It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their but the whole beer industry's Miller Lite has been scouring the internet for all this and buying it back so that they can turn it into good for women brewers. Literally, good How, you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the bad into compost. Then we feed compost to worms. 
pushed out beautiful fertilizer. Oh that good helps farmers grow quality hops. Right, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It's dumb, but I, I, I don't draw the parallel between that one and Bud Light no. at all. No, because one is more dangerous for kids. I yeah, think well, you see the just, trans activists, especially yeah. people start thinking about kids. And then you have your favorite beer company aligning. And you're, as yeah. we've seen, most people are like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. This is just nonsense pandering from a beer company yeah, I, that I don't even understand the message. Because I thought with the people on the left, if women want to use their bodies in a bikini, well, that's more power to them. Yeah. But they're saying, no, that's bad and that's sexist. I don't even know what your but, freaking message but is. But this is the thing. I mean, like the conservative like freak out on it and in some corners doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, I mean, if just as somebody who has a daughter, who would I rather my daughter emulate? You know, a woman who whips her boobs out to sell beer so some other guy can get rich or a farmer? I'd rather yeah, but that my... farmer's killing the environment, David. Yeah, no, I don't buy into that. I just think, <laughs> I just think it's, it's very, it's, it's a little bit of a self-own in some cases. The people who yes. compare this to the Dylan Mulvaney thing, it's, it's really not. Do any of these beer people no. know who their audience is or what their audience is? I'm starting to wonder. No, I don't I mean, think I, that's I, what it's about. It's all the ESG crap. But did they, did they think they were going to get women to drink their beer because they insulted women with Dylan Mulvaney? Was that the idea behind I, this? No, I don't I, know. Your guess is as good as mine, man. It makes absolutely no sense. Okay. Um, big migrant crisis. Not, we're not talking at the border. Forget that. In New York City, the panic is on. We'll get to that much more coming up right here. Joe. Jamie Markley. David Van Camp. Scott Robbins. So New York City, migrant crisis, you say? Yeah. Two New York counties have sued New York City now. Because of the migrant crisis, you see, here's the, <laughs> here's the neat <laughs> trick. After complaining about Texas sending bu- busloads of migrants to New York City, Mayor Eric Adams had turned around and sent migrants to smaller communities without telling them what was going on. This is unfair, but I'm going to do it to other people. Yes. I mean, we've seen that happen in Chicago. We've seen that happen in Philadelphia. Yeah, all these people jumping up and down complaining about how, Greg Abbott hasn't given us a heads up there. All right, we're just going to rent out a hotel and shove the people there. It's a small town no one cares about. Yep. Uh, Orange County, New York official Stephen Newhouse was on CNN to talk about it. And, well, here's what, uh, what he had to say. We have really no information on who they are, have they been vetted, how long are they staying, what is their status. Uh, literally what the city has been doing is just renting hotels and taking them over, turning them into homeless shelters. There's just got to be a better plan. Uh, we have a very, uh, there's, the communication's been very lackluster in the, between the, the governor and the mayor. That's, I think, improving over the last couple of days. But I think there's better options. There's other counties that have like empty dormitories, other facilities that could better accommodate these folks. I do like that. It's more like, just send them to a different county. (laughs) They they can do it better. It's not somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. We don't want to stop it. We just want someone else to deal with it. It's amazing. So just a quick question. Do you think that most people in the United States understand who's to blame for this problem? Um, At least from polling, I think so, yeah. but but certainly not all. I think more people than maybe this time last year, certainly, 
understand with that. what's gone on and what has changed. I think they do understand that, yes. Well, the yeah. thing is, too, I mean, these people, now, again, this was something they never thought was going to happen to them. So it was easy to push the political narrative and agree with it. It was like, we're a sanctuary city. We're loving people. I, you know, and then when it happens, right again, completely upside down. Yeah. Saw this interesting story, not related to that problem, completely different problem. And that is office spaces in so many different cities remain half empty. Saw this in the Wall Street Journal. So at the beginning of the year, you were seeing more and more employers saying, hey, we got to get you back to the office. Yeah. I remember talking about it. Elon Musk was sort of leading that, saying, hey, we got to have people in the office. Well, for a lot of different businesses, you also have employees that have other opportunities. And especially if they moved out of a big city, like, I don't want to go into the city all the time for my job. I don't need to. I can do it just as well from home. Mm -hmm. And I have options. Okay, I could take a gig somewhere else. So all of a sudden, the move back into the office has stalled. The number of companies that require employees to be in the office full-time has actually declined since the beginning of the year from 49% to 42%. Are you surprised by that? Um, a little bit, but I guess yeah. if you, you kind of if you game it out a little bit, if you're trying to rent out office space, in a lot of places, rents have gone up because because you know people are trying to recoup some of their initial investment in in property management and so if it's now more expensive than it was to operate office space in a major city then yeah you probably you not only do you have employees who have other options but you're realizing you know maybe i don't want to spend all that money on rent yeah and then you have well all of the restaurants yeah. and bars and other businesses that really rely on having people in those office buildings. It, yeah. It's a devastating effect all the way around inside a lot of big cities going on right now. Okay, uh, something we got to get to. David has audio of Barack Obama <laughs> that you got to oh, hear. Man. Straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, the millennial David Van Camp, and the sexy boomer. That is Scott Robbins. Okay. So we're going to listen to former President Obama yeah. speak about what keeps him up at night. Yes, he did an interview with CBS News <laughs> and God. was asked, what are you most worried about for the future of America? And he said, well, it's the divided media. That's what it is, because not everybody's on the same page anymore. So we need to take, you know, folks like whether it's Fox or Newsmax or anybody that's conservative at all out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's right. what he said. When I was coming up, you had three TV stations. Yeah. And people were getting a, a similar sense of what is true and what isn't, what was real and what was not. Today, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that because of the splintering of the media, we almost occupy different realities. If something happens in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that, yeah, that's an issue. Hmm. So state-run media is the answer. Yeah. Well, well, boy. Oh, well, yeah, right. It, isn't that also the greatest cell phone of all time there? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, because yeah. he it was the head of a political party that says that men can be women. Yep. And says that men can have babies. Yep. And says that uh, having child sex change operations is 
gender affirming. Yep. <laughs> and and if you get the vaccine, you can't spread it to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, I, I just the first thing that actually popped in my mind was Michelle Obama cutting the ad for Biden in 2020. Saying oh, yeah. That Trump talking about months of riots in the streets was all fake news. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. Yeah, that's disinformation. It is. That's occupying a different reality than the people living uh, around uh, riot-afflicted areas of Minneapolis. Talk to the people in Kenosha about that tiny fraction of violent upheavals that happened. The media played cover for all of that. They, they we did. watched it before our eyes. Couldn't hardly believe it. Well, what he really is saying is he hates diversity of opinion. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's that, yes. exactly what yeah. he's saying. Yes. I mean, and if you if your opinion differs from his, then you should be silenced and not allowed to say it, because your reality is not true. Mine is. Well, I mean, to his point, where people are more divided now. Well, sure they are. <clears throat> I agree with that. Yes, and at the same time, you ask why? Well, because we do get information from different sources and if you think that you're the one well uh, my side's always right then you just check the scoreboard over the last 10 years how many times has say conservative media and legacy media differed on stories and the way they presented and in the end who turned out to be right and you would take a step back and ask that honest question and i'm saying that representing three recovering liberals here mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you notice a trend. And that's not to say that the right and right-wing media doesn't get it wrong. Not at all. Not saying that. But you just look at the track record, especially over the last seven years. But the thing is, you have so many on the left, and we say this all the time, that only get their media and their news from one source. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that are still out there saying, yeah, that don't say gay thing in Florida. They don't even let you say gay in the school. Yeah. And they have no idea that they walk around looking like absolute dopes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to anyone informed at all. They're clueless to it and believe it 100%. You look look at the track record. One thing that I really love to tell uh, liberal family members or people that I come into contact with um, is, especially in light of this Durham report that dropped, that, yes, confirmed everything that we already kind of knew, that, yeah, the, the Clinton campaign made up the whole Russian collusion thing. The FBI didn't have evidence to go forward with an investigation, but they did anyway to try to damage a political enemy. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, all of the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists got completely outsmarted by the late, great Rush Limbaugh. He was right more often about the whole Russian collusion stuff Mm -hmm than mainstream media award-winning journalists ever were. It's absolutely true. And it drives them crazy when you say that. Oh, a lot of them just, they will not believe that. Mm -hmm. You can put facts in front, but it it does come down to a lot of people just want to believe what they want to believe. And even if there's part of their subconscious that knows what they're watching is bullcrap every morning, they still want to be fed that because they want to hear what they want to hear. I don't know how you fix that. I've got my Limbaugh pin, my 
my coin, seven years. I, mine was 10 years, 12 years now. <laughs> Recovering liberal coins that we carry around, you and I do. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about right now. You're making stuff up. <laughs> no, I got mine. You had yours long before I ever, That's because true. we used to argue. I brought you into the, I brought you into the party, yes, the big tent. Well, I would never trust you because you were always out of your mind. Still am. A little bit. Well, I mean, okay, if you go back in history, we get, want to have spent a long, long time on no. this. No. Okay, one of the things that Scott and I used to argue about, especially in the late 2000s and, and earlier in the teens decade, whatever you want to call it, would be how much corporations had power over everything. Yeah. And I think where we differed at that time, where in my mind at the time you were going on conservative talking points Saying, who's to say a CEO shouldn't make $14 billion a year or whatever crazy number it was? And I'm saying, no, they control so much stuff. You know, and they're, they're buying off politicians. And then I think you know, over time, we've both turned in a way to be like, okay, what's really true? Well, yeah, big corporations have way too much power when it comes to Congress. Yes. And at the same time, uh, left media controls so much of thought. In the United States, your impersonation to me sounds like Charles Pennypacker or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know the CEOs are allowed to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there was definitely part of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you have something else, David? Before we get to what's your story? Oh no, we're we're ready to go with what's your story here. All right, what's your story? Good save, David, with the theme. Mm -hmm. All right, we go around the room every day, and it may not be the biggest story out there, but it caught your attention. Today, David, what's your story? A little bit uh, more than a year ago in Toronto, uh, somebody opened up what they called an anti-capitalist coffee shop, where you walk in and there's all, the, all this literature, pro-communist stuff there, and you know, apparently their hours as a coffee shop were like 9 to 5. <laughs> and, and, you know, there may have been some benefits of, you know, you're not going to pay as much. They're not going to fleece you for their service, et cetera, mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. Oh, they're closed. They, they shut down yesterday. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're done. Um, the guy who started it posted this message. The anarchist, that's the name of the coffee shop, has been a huge success in every way I hoped. Really? Okay. You hope Go to on. fail? How? And has given me so much inspiration and education that I plan to use in future projects. Okay. Unfortunately, the lack of generational wealth and seed capital from ethically bankrupt sources left me unable to weather the quiet winter season or to grow in the ways needed to be sustainable longer term. Because everyone knows nobody wants coffee during the winter. Now, I what? added that last part, but, <laughs> but that's the thing. So the, I was like, holy mackerel. No, the, the, the quiet winter season, what mm. does that even mean? Like, if you're a I coffee shop in Toronto and it's snowing, it's cold as hell outside, I, I would assume that people are stopping in for coffee. Maybe you had to walk to it. I don't know. <laughs> There's no roads that led to it. I don't know. You were just talking about being recovering liberals? Yeah. I'm telling you, this type of story, opening a store with this sort of idea, it, it seems like we cover one of these at least once every two years, and have been for the last 20 years, right? Yeah. And I can remember the first couple of times of doing the story, 
saying, this is really genius. I, I think it's going to work. <laughs> and then after about the fourth time, you're like, you know this is going to fail. Because people aren't going to pay anything. All right. Oh. Yeah, it's people with good hearts, but yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to like you when you had a bigger heart and weren't so cynical. We'll do this for 20 freaking years. <laughs> See what humanity's all about. <laughs> This is What's Your Story. Yeah. It's not the biggest story of the day, but it caught your attention. Yeah. What's your story, Scott? Uh, the owner of the Bloomington, Indiana Dive Bar, by the way, the story's words, not mine, I've never been there, who voiced his support for Bud Light and threatened to remove customers speaking against the beer maker. I remember this. Over their recent promotional partnership with the transgender influencer, mm. has now backpedaling after losing lots of customers. Oops. You've been backpedaling for a while. Uh, yeah, he's back. He's really well, Thursday. He tried to backpedal again, and he uh, finally issued a statement later on in, in the day on Thursday. He said, "Well, you know, this is not working out. A lot has been said. Some correct, some incorrect. I want to clarify my stance. What I really want is to convey it's just to be respectful. Different opinions are always welcome here, as long as they are delivered respectfully. We want no more ugly, aggressive, or rude interactions about which sports team someone thinks is better." than we do about societal issues. The bar will not censor opinions, though. All are welcome, but we do require civility. Please come back. (laughs) Please, please, please. I'm losing my fanny on this one. (laughs) Alki, come back. You can blame it all on me. Any kind of opinion is welcome. (laughs) I I love the way those guys do it, though. They make that bold stance, right? Big, st- we're going to stand against this. You're <laughs> right. going to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, and then it's some nonsense about we've always been here, right, for people to gather over a beer and have good conversation. Civility, yes. Now, most people open a bar because they want to get paid to hang with their buddies. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody gets that. I think no yeah. one buys that BS. Mm-hmm. Okay, for my story today, I'm switching up. I'm going to do something a little lighter. Just for fun's sake. Okay. And even though my computer is still blown out, hopefully that'll be back tomorrow. I'll have to do my own sound effects. Uh, I'm declaring it game time with David Van Camp versus Scott Robbins. Oh, okay. A different kind of game. Uh, Because it was just recently in the news that Robert De Niro um, had another kid. uh, Age 79. That's his seventh kid. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. And I won't tell you the source because I don't want you looking this up and cheating. But somebody went through and said, okay, who who else, celebrity-wise, had kids in their 60s and 70s? Oh, oh, I, um, God dang it. Well, don't, hey, don't be premature okay. on this one, okay? No, wait I, I've until got it's a your, name, though. Wait until it's your I've turn. I've got a name. It's burning in my head. If he says it before me, then who goes first? I go first, right, because I lost. No, it's always the champion <clears throat> that God, goes man. first. He's going to guess, guess it. I'm telling you. We have you. a premature problem going on ah, here. Just relax right, for a second. All right. All right. Now there is a list of ten people. All right. Yeah. And we're gonna go. Let's just say three guesses each. Whoever has the most wins. Okay. All right, David, you're first. I'm gonna guess uh, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, of course, is a good guess. Uh, had his eighth child at age 73. That puts Van Camp up one to nothing. I'm coming in with I think is number one, but I could be wrong. Wait, there's not, they're not ranked. Okay. You're just trying to pick them off here. Tony Randall. Tony Randall is nowhere on this list. Come on, man. <laughs> the dude was like 80. 
I'm going by the list that's in front yeah. of me, and I'll give you the source when I'm it's over. Throwing a flag on that one—that's <laughs> garbage. I'm—I'm well, I'm just telling you, it's not on the list. You were premature for nothing. Back to David. Um, four, man, three, I'm really two, one. Struggling here. Back to Robbins. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, nowhere on the list. No. Man. Back to Van Camp. Last guess, who has a one to nothing lead right now. Man, he could close a, it out right here. It's a hockey score, isn't it? Um, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, boy. You can tie it right here, Robbins. Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Oh, man. You know what? He's not there. Van Camp wins one to nothing. Okay. How can Tony Randall not be on this list? You got Paul McCartney, had his fifth child at 61. Jeff Goldblum, uh, he was 62. Elton John had his first child at 63. Oh, he didn't. Second at 66. Alec Baldwin, eighth oh. child at 64. Yeah. Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Third child at 65. Rod Stewart, eighth child at 66. Yeah. Clint Eastwood, eighth child at 66. Steve Martin, only child at 67. And George Lucas had his fourth child at age 69. Tony Randall got hosed. I don't even know who Tony Randall is. The odd, the, odd couple, the odd couple. What's the takeaway from this? There's still hope, Robbins. Okay, got <laughs> no, there's a not. news update and much more next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, what's the story in Oregon? Oh, well, this is uh, an absolute threat to democracy as we know it. Oh, no. I am literally shaking right now. I can see it. And Lady Liberty is weeping at the mm -hmm. moment. For she no longer represents the strongest democracy in the world after what happened in Oregon. Uh, the I'm going to just call them the Oregon Three. Uh, three Oregon state senators are now banned from seeking re-election in what the left might call a total assault on democracy. Uh, the setup is this. Republicans in the state have been doing this walkout for, I guess, 11 days now to stop okay. a couple of bills from passing. One would allow access to abortion regardless of age or parental consent, plus require insurance companies to cover sex change operations. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. There, there's also a new gun control bill that they're protesting. So Republicans in this case have, have walked out to try to deny a quorum so that... Uh, uh, so that the business gets held up. Now, when Texas Democrats did this uh, a while back, they were celebrated as heroes. Remember that? The whole, we will overcome. Yeah, all of that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, now senators, uh, state senators Daniel Bonham, uh, Dennis Lenticum, both Republicans, and an independent senator, Brian Boquist, has, they've all been banned from running for office again because of unexcused absences. This is a result of a ballot measure that passed last year. Banned from seeking re-election. Yeah. Got it. Well, their parents signed a note that they would have gotten off of it okay. <laughs> How's this work? Dear Governor. <laughs> Oregon is going to Oregon. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is 
The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, nothing to see here with the Durham report. Yeah. Move on, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, there, what is going to be actionable here? You know, okay, so after four years, we finally have the report from special counsel John Durham. This is the guy who's been investigating the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory, how the FBI went on no real evidence and pushed this idea that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the election in 2016. Uh, John Durham found that the FBI never should have pursued a full investigation. There was never any evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the 2016 election. The whole thing started with the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. And according to Durham, the Obama administration was briefed on that, that they knew that Hillary Clinton's campaign was doing this. And Obama let the FBI take the ball and run with it. And we know what happened next. Years of investigations into Donald Trump, conspiracy theories about him being a Russian agent, etc. Okay, so again, the CIA briefs Obama. Mm -hmm. They know it's BS. It's from Hillary Clinton. Yes. Yet, hey, we can use this. Mm -hmm. Even though we know it's all bullcrap, we can use this to take this guy down. Yes. Okay. So... As so many people on the left are saying, well, it's just kind of a nothing burger. No, it's huge to anyone really yeah. paying attention. Yeah, but th- remember, they, they did the same thing with the Inspector General uh, General report uh, a couple years ago, where this guy comes out, testifies in front of Congress that, yeah, the, none of this was on the up and up. Um, but they, they singled out one particular part that at the time the Inspector General had put together, and, and it was that it was legal for the FBI to do this. There was no criminality there. They completely left out the rest of the context. And I remember the day, that day coming in to the show and going, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I'm seeing all these people in mainstream media say that, oh, well, he found there was no criminal wrongdoing or they were justified in opening up this investigation. No. Michael Horowitz is the IG's name. And -hmm. what he said was it was legal because the bar is so low when it comes to opening up a counterintelligence investigation and he slammed it he said no we should not we should be raising the bar Mm -hmm. when it comes to spying on american citizens and he shredded the fbi and i i mean i felt again i felt like i was taking crazy pills because i'm seeing joe scarborough and all these other people on national television saying see they were justified in doing it no he just said that they could because the law right now is so open-ended when it comes to spying on American citizens and political enemies. Is it simple just to put it this way and tell me if this is off? With most in legacy media, they're propaganda stooges. Yes. And it doesn't matter if they know it and don't care or they're just that dumb. Either way, they're propaganda stooges. Mm -hmm. And then for a decent amount of people, especially on the left in the United States, they could hear the story and hear the truth about it, but come away with the opinion, well, yeah, but it was against Trump, and Trump's bad, so yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Well, he's guilty of something. Yeah, even if, if this the left... Yeah, he's still guilty of something. Even if the left used you know, these yeah. tactics that were really 
against the law. As long as it was to stop Trump, it was a good thing. Yeah. That's the way they look at it. Yeah. Okay. And like you said before, nothing's really going to come of this, which is so frustrating. Yeah. Well, you're called out on a crime you didn't commit, but you did, you committed prior crimes you got away with. So, therefore, it must yeah. get your comeuppance right now. Okay. You violate the FBI rules. You lie in court. Um, just run over anybody with doubt, and you just get away with it. And, yeah, that's business as usual. Move along now. Mm-hmm. And how low is the bar exactly? Yeah, people are frustrated. I mean, if your Uber driver tells you something you overheard one of the customers say, is that bar high enough to yes. start? I okay, mean, then. Yeah, when it, that, when, yeah. I, mean, I mean, we were led to believe that, like, you know, the FISA court and whatever would, would require a huge amount of evidence. And, well, that's just not true. God. Wow. And none of this happens if legacy media doesn't go along with it. Yeah. Because imagine if you had all of those networks crying out, hey, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. Okay, you may not agree with Donald Trump on a number of different things, but this this guy was done wrong. And that's not what this country is about. That's what you would want the media to say, no matter who was president. But we're way past that. It's just the way it is. Um, more on that a little bit later. want to get to the story out of New York City yeah. with the sweet... Homeless Michael Jackson impersonator that was wrongly killed by the evil Marine. No, no, it's it's the other way around. It's a oh. violent criminal who was threatening people on a subway. Mm. Um, name, uh, yeah, Jordan Neely was his name, and Daniel Penny. He's the Marine veteran who restrained the violent criminal on a New York su- uh, City subway. That criminal wound up dying, and now Daniel Penny is being charged with manslaughter after initially being let go by the police. Uh, His lawyer, Steve Razor, was on Fox News, and I was really interested to see this part because the cops let the guy go. They do say, you know, hey, don't don't skip town. There may be something else that comes up. But the impression that everybody was given and actually explicitly told was that there would be a grand jury impaneled and there would be evidence and any indictment would come out of that. Not and not just a prosecutor saying, all right, we're going to charge you with something. And so the lawyer, Steve Razor, on Fox News, talked about how shocking it was to get that call that he was going to be charged because that's not what they expected at all. That's not what they were told was going to happen. We were told that uh, there was going to be a grand jury presentation and that that would take some time. And it was going to be a very kind of a deliberate process. Uh, It was not going to be uh, rushed. Then suddenly uh, we got a a call um, one night before uh, Danny was asked to surrender and said he's got to surrender to the police department tomorrow. So at that point, we're, what do you mean tomorrow? This was going to be a long process. Suddenly it's tomorrow. But it didn't seem to make any sense as to the sudden urgency. However, that's the way in which they decided to proceed. Pressure from people that were protesting, people on the left. And Bragg has acted in that way before. Yeah, that that's really what this comes down to. And I thought he threaded the needle very well because he was asked a few times, or I guess a couple different ways, um, well, why do you think this happened? And he sort of danced around it. We all know why it happened. It was sure. caving yeah. to pressure from leftist agitators. But mm-hmm. 
yeah, he said, well, I'm not going to, you know, do the mind reading thing. All I will tell you is this and, and, and that it came as a shock. And then he also clarified that uh, this particular felony indictment won't matter if there is a grand jury impaneled because they wouldn't look at the at the, the federal indictment or the criminal complaint during the grand jury proceedings because ultimately they are the ones who would make the charge. But so it's it's just a complete mess and what a mockery of our justice system. Well, the uh, great news is people see through it and have given the guy over two million dollars. Oh yeah, and that number's going up. Mm-hmm. For what is the name of it? I always want to say uh, GoFundMe. No, but that that place is corrupt. Yeah, it's it's Give Send Go. Give Send Go. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people have given to that because they see exactly through all this nonsense. Well, I think, I think, you know, getting back to initial points we've made, too, about this, I think it speaks to people who don't want to get involved or will get involved in the criticism about people that you know, let stuff happen and people stood around and watched it and filmed it. Nobody did anything. This guy did something. Well, a lot of people are intimidated. I, to be honest. 100% Physically I, intimidated. I get like, it, Oh, my man. gosh. I'm going to get beaten get up it. if I get at this. But they're also afraid of what happens yes. after the fact. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I mean, I think those were people giving him money, too. Like, okay, I've had enough of this stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Did see this. Uh, James O'Keefe, you know, he used to be with Project Veritas. Now he's got his own uh, OMG, O'Keefe Media Group. He was booted from Project Veritas, which is kind of odd. Um, he drops this video where a Fox News producer is saying that Tucker Carlson was booted from the network, part of that settlement deal with Dominion. Wait a second. It wasn't supposed to be part of that because Tucker, remember, was calling out, what's her name, the Kraken lady. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay. What was her name? Lindsay Powell? Uh I just blanked Sydney on Powell. Sydney, Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell, yeah. Thank you, you put Lindsay in my brain and it broke. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, boy, no, no, Sydney Powell, yeah. Kraken Lindsay lady. Powell's a power forward, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, in this video, you know, they do the undercover journalism thing, and there is this Fox News producer saying, yeah, it had to do with that case, and it also had to do um, with Big Pharma, that sort of thing. And there is a little bit of audio, but you can't really hear it very well. Yeah, here's a few seconds of of the producer talking. That's the wrong clip. Where is it? He sounds like Oasis. They say it wasn't part of it, but we're learning that Tucker getting fired was part of that. Tucker getting fired was part of the Dominion lawsuit? As part of the cell. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the part where it really is difficult to hear where Mm -hmm. he's moving forward, uh, talking about, yeah, you're beholden to the advertisers, and there have been people with... Pfizer, who were complaining about Tucker, because out of all the most prominent national media figures, at least on television, he has ex- expressed the most amount of skepticism with the COVID vaccine. Yes. So that producer also went on to say that you know the power of big tech and big pharma and Wall Street play in shaping the news that we see. And that was part of this story. And... I don't know if you remember this or not, but it was like the week leading up to uh, Tucker getting fired. He did this whole thing about how Legacy News would run all these ads for Big Pharma while telling people, go get the vaccine. It's safe. It will stop you from spreading it. All of this to say they control the news. Just as a side note, (laughs) 
when people were still were first starting to talk about this, Megyn Kelly had Robert Kennedy Jr. on her podcast, and that was more than a week ago. He flat out said it, and he went on to tell a story of knowing Roger Ailes. Back when the, Robert Kennedy Jr. would go on Fox News with a lot of different uh, pieces of research that he had done. And when it came to <laughs> anything pharmaceuticals, Roger Ailes would say, uh, Bobby, I can't help you there. Okay? <laughs> can't do it. And it was because, you know, in the evening on much of cable news, 75% of the ads are big pharma. And they control it. And they can shut down a story fast. It's just all very interesting that all of that is coming out at the same time. And I think that's, I wouldn't doubt if that's true at all. Now, this story we got to get to because this was on a California street. Um, I see sword attack and then I see something chopped off. What yeah. the heck happened here? <clears throat> yeah, Riverside, California. Uh, California's man, <laughs> California man's hand was chopped off by oh. a sword wielding homeless suspect. Gosh. Dang it. Apparently, both of the men were homeless, and there was some sort of altercation that happened. And I, one of them had a sword and just, whoosh, damn crackhead, chopped my hand off. That's wow, what man. R- runs off into the night. No the arrest hand or made. the guy? Huh? The hand or the guy? Ran off in the night. Oh, no. The hand. <laughs> it's not a horror movie, Scott. The hand. The guy ran the hand off. Yeah, the guy, starts running. The guy who chopped off the hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy's walking around handless and you got jumped. Well, there, is that what we're getting out of it? I thought about that when he said it. It's like, I could see the hand what was laying on the ground then getting up and just running away. <laughs> okay. Quick question. He was moving to Palmdale. <laughs> <laughs> Did he steal something? Is that the deal? I'm just curious. Yeah, Some sort of justice? Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, we got to get to the audio of a school superintendent saying failure depends on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Straight ahead. <laughs> the Martin Van Camp Robin Show. As always, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp, and there's Scott Robbins. I admit it. I can't wait to hear this audio. I know nothing about the story other than the headline of what the school superintendent said. Please set this up, David. So Texas lawmakers are looking at school choice legislation to let parents take their tax dollars with them if they're not satisfied with their public schools. It's really been gaining a lot of momentum across the country. Uh, This is just a wonderful moment. During a committee hearing on the topic... Uh, you have State Representative Brian Harrison calling out the Temple ISD uh, superintendent who was there to oppose school choice. And this whole exchange is remarkable. Okay. Uh, let me pull this up here. Right, see, see, your computer went down if we're looking behind the scenes, and uh, I forgot I have to run the audio today. <laughs> <laughs> it's all force of habit. I yeah, feel like I, and I, I'm like, look, I, there's no button for me to push. Yeah. All right. Uh, here he is. Here's the exchange. Okay. What percentage of your students are proficient at or above grade level in science? No, 35, 40 percent. 38. What percentage of your students are at or above grade level proficiency in mathematics? Um, Probably around the same. 34 percent. Is that acceptable? I think it depends on what you're looking at for the growth measures. Well, what I'm looking looking at, at what I'm looking at is every parent in Texas, including those parents in Temple, getting the chance, having the opportunity to send their child 
to a school that serves the needs sure. of, of that kid. That, that's what I care about, and that's that's what you're here right. to oppose today. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on how you look at the growth measures. No, okay, hold on a second. You got, your proficiency in math and science is in the 30s right now. That's a problem. It's how do how am I supposed to look at growth measures? I mean, I guess if you say, well, it used to be 28%, now it's 35%. Yeah, that's a growth measure, but it's still not acceptable. Proficient at dodgeball? <laughs> right. <laughs> 83%? Okay. I don't know. What, what the hell does that even mean? That means we want to keep our jobs and we have to keep the same system going. Golly. We don't want to be held accountable. Our kids don't know jack squat, but we just keep pushing them through because if we hold them back, we start to lose dollars. The yeah. whole thing's broken, but we don't really want anyone to notice it because we want to keep getting our checks. Wow. Because in the end, we really don't give a flip about the kids. We can't have discipline in the school either because that's old school and that's some form of white supremacy or something. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Right. It's <laughs> Dude. Well, it depends on the growth measures compared to what? what? Kids in a yeah. hut in a third world country? I don't know. What, I don't We're doing great. Right. Explain yourself. What Raising the bar. Mean? No, you're a failure. That's why there should be school choice. Why are you trying to hold black kids back? That's my know. question. Yeah, well. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Look too strong there. Sorry. What's the biggest story of the day, David? Uh, biggest story of the day, uh, I think at least, is the Durham report dropping. And I mean, again, you can see all of the corruption that went into the Trump Russia hoax. Mm -hmm. And it's astounding to me that you take a step back and realize that nothing's going to change, nothing's going to happen. No. Chuck Schumer said it back in early yeah. 2017. Intelligence agencies have six ways of Sunday of getting back at you. <laughs> yep. And they do, and nothing will be done about it. That's what we've learned. And then we learned from Legacy Media, well, there's really nothing there. Right. From the Durham Report. There's oh, a lot okay. there. Yes. You know what? And we'll get one of the Mueller team investigators, a piece of audio you're going to want to hear. Straight ahead. All right, dude. The Martha Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, you have a piece of audio, David. Definitely want to hear this. Yeah. Uh, and this has to do with the Durham report. Yeah, the, which took four years to tell us what we already kind of knew. Uh, John Durham is the guy who's been investigating the origins of the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory and how the FBI was involved in something it never should have been involved in. Uh, he found the FBI never should have pursued a full investigation because there was never any real evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the 2016 election. And it was all made up by Hillary Clinton's team. The Obama White House was briefed on what Hillary Clinton's team's plans were. Yes. Uh, Andrew Weissman was on the Mueller team, which secured convictions for Russians uh, that did the same thing. <laughs> Wow. So, all right. Anyway, uh, Andrew Weissman, uh, again, he was on the Mueller team, which was assembled only because of this lie. He was on MSNBC and said, hey, this whole report doesn't amount to much. Okay. Uh, here is Andrew Weissman talking about that here. 
You know what? If you know what you're doing is done in good faith and you're obviously you could make mistakes, but if you our view was like fun. If somebody wants to come in and second guess what we're doing and look to make sure we did something, that's fine. But this was trying to say that there's a big there there when you know there's no there there. And what you have with John Durham is like it's a big fat nothing. It, it's really not a, a big fat nothing. Dude. We have a democracy. That's what we're supposed to have. You had these agencies all trying to stop one politician. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you can say for whatever reason, that happened. There's really nothing to see here because you don't want anyone to see it. Or you think it was for the greater good because orange man bad. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. What a liar. Bad people, man. I mean, I, I, I really do. I, I can't stress this part enough. The Mueller team did get criminal convictions for people who spread disinformation in order to try to interfere with an election. Because they, they want to lump it all together that said, well, Mueller was only investigating Russian interference. Well, that that's really not true. Uh, if you were watching news media at the time, the big enchilada was whether or not Trump was involved in what Russia mm -hmm. was trying to do with troll farms and all that kind of stuff. So for election interference related crimes, they did get several convictions. And I'm wondering, why is it that what Hillary Clinton's team did apparently isn't a crime, even though it was identical to, in theory, and much worse than in practice, than what any of the people convicted for crimes did? And what is so frustrating is that in the end, if you know people that get their news from left sources, they will parrot the talking points back to you. And so they really won't understand what happened because they're getting news from people that are just tools of propaganda for the left. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but that's exactly what's going on. I heard them described as stenographers. Okay. And that yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah, they are. Write down what they're told. You know what? I have good news. What's that? It's good news as far as, you know, we're talking about, because I really do believe this, that legacy media has so much to blame for people being so misinformed all across the country. Did you see what happened to CNN? Their primetime viewership on Friday. And I know they ticked off a lot of people even putting Donald Trump on last week. The meltdown was incredible. For the first time, their viewership dropped below Newsmax. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. The good news for Newsmax, right? I mean, well, you can go through all of the numbers. Just suffice to say, it's never been this low for CNN. Ever. Wow. Yes. I mean, I, I think if the trend is held, Newsmax has gotten a little bit of a kiss from Fox News firing Tucker Carlson. Yep. And then if CNN is pissed off whatever audience it has left, boy, Newsmax was in a good position there, yes. at least for now. I don't know if that trend will hold or not, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Wow. Well, you had nothing to lose. I mean, you're losing, and you're, you've already, I mean, you're already in the basement. The problem is this, Losing man. more than you've lost before. Okay. We all know what happened to CNN over the last seven years. Oh, yeah. They went totally left woke. Right. And now you got a new guy in that's supposed to save the ship. Yeah. Thinking, all right, we got to get back somewhere where we were before. 
Well, the only people that are left are on the far left. <laughs> and when you take them off, then you're, well, less than Newsmax. Right. Yeah. That's where it is right now. Did see, okay, a wild story out of the Wall Street Journal. Remember the tech CEO, Bob Lee, that was killed in San Francisco? Yeah. And that... at first you thought it was some sort of homeless issue in San Francisco. Yeah. And it... then you find out, well. Things it... got really strange, though. Yeah. Well, th there's a lot to it, man. And if you want me to try to tell this story, it kind of gets deep, but it's fascinating to me. Yeah, go for it. If you start to get lost, I'll try to get you back on track. But I'll just, you know, I can't read that entire piece. But they paint this picture. Well, this guy was a multimillionaire, first of all. And after the stabbing, people were sort of taken aback around that area because in certain wealthy tech circles, it's known as, quote, the lifestyle. It's an underground party scene that has, well, casual sex, recreational drug use. It's like rock stars from tech and just big money around San Francisco. And I would guess... It's a certain sort of scene in big cities, even smaller towns across the United States. The movers and shakers sometimes, you know, are into certain things that you hear about. But this sort of lays it out. And the Wall Street Journal is doing interviews with people on the inside. And it's absolutely true. And so what had happened, you, you heard the part where the guy actually got stabbed by this woman's brother. That is what happened. The tech exec, Bob Lee, liked to hang out with the, quote, lifestyle crowd. And so did this woman who was the wife of a prominent plastic surgeon. Well, I mean, they're still together. Kazar Momani. So this was back in early April. And according to the prosecutors in San Francisco, her older brother confronted Mr. Lee about, hey, is she taking drugs? Is she doing things that she shouldn't be doing? Because they came here from Iran, and they have a particular mm -hmm. religion. And he's looking out for the little sister, mm -hmm. saying, hey, Mr. Lee, if she's doing something, you let me know, right? Well, it was hours later, they're in the car, and the brother of the woman then stabbed Mr. Lee and left him there to die, just in the road. And so, like, holy cow. Okay, was that just, like, one affair sort of thing? And then this whole story in the journal paints this picture of what the whole lifestyle is like and the kind of life that, well, this guy led. And what's weird is it's never totally black and white because to so many of this guy's friends, they would tell you he was the best guy ever, mm. like the coolest guy. He just happened to love to sleep with a lot of people, it seemed like. Yeah. And then, you know, picked the wrong one there, it seemed like. So... Apparently, they say the party scene there is governed by an unwritten code of conduct. Okay, and you don't get out of line from the conduct. Now, the accused killer, the brother, he also used drugs. I, I don't know if that's one of those things where it's okay for him, but not his little sister. Yeah. Okay, she, she can't be a part of this. Um, but the other part that I had not heard until I read this was that friends of Mr. Lee had told them, that he was casually sleeping with this guy's sister, who's 37 and married. But three years before that, Mr. Lee was together with a woman that the older brother had also dated. You follow? Whoa. 
So if you're the older brother, it's like, hey, this guy <laughs> took my woman before, and now he's with my sister? Oh, no, no, man. no, no, no. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Boy, that's the double right there. <laughs> yeah. You call that the double? There's no coming back from that. Well, I, I mean, no. that's the thing. When you start weaving a web like that, eventually you'll run across a spider. <laughs> yes. So, and then you've got this other account of some of Bob Lee's friends said they had been worried about him in recent months that he was getting in over his head, like partying too much. I mean, he had tons of dough. Um, said, you know, he did like to hang with different crowds because he liked all sorts of different experiences. He was hanging out with people who weren't great people, and that's part of what happened in the end. There are a lot of swingers, cheaters, and liars in that crowd. Oh, boy. So the other part is this guy... Bob Lee remained close to his wife, Krista, even though they were separated. All right, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to put the math in there going three years ago. So were they married then? How, how did all this work? Did it? Did they know about all of this stuff? I, you don't really understand that. But the wife said he was kind and generous. He saw the good in everybody. And she also disputed that he was a party boy, and she said she never heard the term the lifestyle. Also that he was a dedicated father. All of this. One of his friends called him the dumbest smart person I knew. Because he was a brilliant guy, but he was too trusting of people. Yeah. And he had invested in SpaceX, Elon Musk company, all this stuff. And if you saw the pictures of this guy, decent looking guy, was physically fit, with a ton of dough, he was incredibly generous. One woman he was dating, he just bought her a Tesla. Well, you know. Everything is relative. Yeah. Yes. Part of this, I guess, as I'm reading it, was fascinated by it, was, you know, you see some sort of TV show, you know, on streaming networks, the people that live this lifestyle, and you're like, yeah, I'm sure it's out there. But this really sort of makes it real. And it was certainly a real ending for this guy. Mm -hmm. No one wanted to see him die. But he also kept a list of 20 close friends on his phone to remind himself to check in and see how they were doing. Wow. So in some ways, you are coming away with this picture of a nice guy to a lot of people, but also had this lifestyle that was pretty dark, and it bit him yeah. in the end. Just crazy. Private parties in Acapulco and flying people in. I still uh, can't get over the fact you steal a guy's girlfriend <laughs> and dump her and then start dating his sister. Damn. <laughs> Man. Well, what is the window for that? He waited three years. I mean, isn't that enough? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think there's a statute on that one. I think it just runs. Okay. Forever. All right. So once once that happens, Golly. you can't ever the sister. Then that's going out. over the Rubicon. Then man. Okay. Like, oh, then you're really. Wow. So you're saying he had it coming? Well, I'm not saying he had it coming. <laughs> just saying. You're pushing the boundaries. Oh, Dad. All right. Mom gotta, was probably next. We got a clip. Of the Chicago mayor, the new mayor, you got to hear. And much more coming up right here. The Monthly Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Monthly, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, the Chicago mayor, new mayor. Going to yeah. turn this thing around, isn't he? No, he's not. <laughs> Chicago's in a lot of trouble with this nut. Yeah. I mean, because uh, they, they said Lori Lightfoot, the former mayor, was just not progressive enough. So they went with this progressive activist, Brandon Johnson, who his inauguration was yesterday. He is now the mayor of Chicago. And he's talking about crime and he's talking about 
uh, murders that have gone on in Chicago for far too long at at far too high numbers. Mm -hmm. And yet, as part of this social justice, criminal justice reform nonsense pitch that he was making, he actually compared a police officer who was murdered to the killing of... Uh, uh, of a teenager who was in a gang who was mm-hmm. armed with a gun who was shooting at cars in the middle yep. of, n- of the night who wound up getting shot and killed by a police officer. So Ariana Preston was the Chicago police officer. She was murdered while she was standing outside of her house. She was off duty. Uh, Brandon Johnson compared her death to the death of Adam Toledo, the teenager I mentioned who was shot by a cop after he was shooting a gun in the middle of the street. And listen to this, man. This is enraging, man. You know, the tears of Adam Toledo, his parents, the tears of Adam Toledo's parents are made of the same sorrow as the parents of Officer Preston's parents. No. Are they, though? Well, one, where are his parents? It was three in the morning (laughs) on a school night right? when that kid was shooting and running from the cops with a gun in his hand. I'm not saying that, well, if that's your kid, you can't be sorrowful. I'm not saying that, but don't give me this nonsense. It's the same place or whatever the way he phrased that. You know, to compare the two shows what a moron you are. This is who they voted for. Yep. Yep. This is who you wanted. Yep. Guess what? Yeah, there are a lot of businesses now. Yeah, they throw their hands up and go, we got to go. We got to get through this Lori Lightfoot thing, and then you get this guy. Yeah. And they're saying, we got to go. You can't blame them for that. You just can't. On a much lighter note, um, you ever had things stolen out of the fridge at work? Because that's infuriating, just on a different level. This is going around. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, but a person posted a photo from their office fridge where someone literally padlocked their milk. <laughs> well, because the cap required a key to be open. Because the people kept stealing the no, milk. You'd bring gee, in the that's... milk for whatever it is. And, hey, you'd come in and there's like, hey, half my milk's gone. Who's taking the milk? Yeah. So it. is that psychotic or do you understand? I understand if it's a problem. Man. I don't know. There is one guy on this show who has taken food from somebody, so... Are you talking about me? I'm talking about you. Dude, you know this. We've been through this. Mm-hmm. If some, if it's an open box of pizza on the table mm-hmm. in the break room, what does that always mean? Mm-hmm. Community. That's the community table. Yeah. It's several. This person didn't say, hey, mine, don't eat it. <laughs> we had it. Yeah, years ago, there, was the, there were a couple of people who were going to be working late into the night, so they ordered a pizza. Yeah. And... As you're walking out of the break room, chowing down on their pizza, you actually mm-hmm. walked past one of the people who had yeah, ordered said pizza, and you pizza. said, hey, there's pizza in the break room. <laughs> you bragged about it. You stole her food, and then you bragged if about it If she's too her. big a dope not to understand, not to put it on the community table, that's not my fault. You should buy me another one. Put out the all-office email, like, hey, why, why, who took my pizza? <laughs> that's JB. Yeah. Someday I got a chicken story for you that... <laughs> I almost got killed for. <laughs> well, you did steal their chicken. I That's did. true. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Man, I just looked up at the news monitor. The mayor of New York is eyeing 20 school gyms to house migrants. <laughs> well, there you go. Here we go. Yep. Yeah, great Summer story. vacation, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, mm-hmm. Let me ask you, though, is there any word as to whether or not New York public schools have improved ventilation? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise... that wouldn't be safe. Yeah, the teachers' union would have you believe that, uh, that that's just a death trap for these migrants, right? Of course. Yes. Uh, man, there's so many different things going on. We had the Durham report uh, drop yesterday. And if this would have been, I don't know, three years ago, that would have been really exciting. I thought yeah. exactly the same thing. You forget about that thing. Even two years ago that it even would existed. have been of interest. I know. And now it's like, okay, Chinese democracy dropped. <laughs> you know, Axel Rose is finally done with it. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. How long has this been? Four years? Yeah. Yeah. And what do we get out of it? Well, what a lot of us thought was absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. No big surprises. That the CIA, the FBI, corrupt. Hillary Clinton, corrupt. It was all a bunch of BS. Yeah. But no one's going to get in trouble because of it. No, no one's going to get in trouble uh, as a result of this. What John Durham found, and this has to do with the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory. He was looking into the FBI's actions. What he found, lays it out in black and white, is that the FBI never should have opened a full investigation because there wasn't evidence there. There was no there there. And yet, and we they were, knew it. And they knew it. And and this thing was actually initially part of what is called and uh, ominously referred to as the Clinton plan. It was Hillary Clinton's team came together and said, "Okay, we're going to try to blame the Russian attempts at interfering in our election on Donald Trump. We're going to try to tie him to that." The Obama yes. White House knew it. They were briefed on this. Not By the on CIA. The CIA, right. So the intelligence community told them, yeah, this is what Hillary Clinton's going to do. And for, well, political reasons, we can assume uh, the Obama administration just sort of said, all right, FBI, go do your thing. Let's try to take this guy down. Mm-hmm. Completely kneecapping the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency in the process. At least, yeah. Uh, and it, this is this is a scandal when you have this laid out. I thought the Michael Horowitz report from a couple of years ago, the inspector general, I thought that that was a pretty big bombshell as well. But media, again, ran cover. And we saw that again on the Today Show where they basically said, yeah, n- nothing really there. OK, listen to this. This morning, the investigation that followed a political firestorm around the 2016 election. A horrible horrible, disgusting witch hunt. Finally wrapping up ahead of the next one. Republicans saying it exposed serious wrongdoing by the FBI. The FBI. No, Republicans aren't saying that. The dude who investigated it said that. Right. But that's just (laughs) one of the many ways they lie to people every day. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't a he said, she said thing. The FBI has an awful lot of work to do. While Democrats calling it a rehash that didn't live up to its billing. The investigation, the investigators by Durham revealed uh, little to nothing. 
That's not true. Well, and one of the chief liars. Yeah. Of that whole crew, Adam Schiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to you, well, it's nothing. Yeah. And what does NBC do? Put him right out there yep. to give its viewers the appearance of, yeah, I guess there was really nothing there. And, and this portion of it, it drove me up a wall when I heard this report. Mr. Trump on his Truth Social website saying the American public was scammed. But the report, though highly critical of the FBI, did not back up Mr. Trump's claims that he was framed by a corrupt deep state conspiracy. Well, didn't say exactly those words, but yeah, that's actually a pretty good summary of what he found. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Let's just talk about deep state for a second. What have people feared a deep state is if someone were to ask you that question how would you answer it this is a group of unelected bureaucrats and intelligence officials who really run the country okay i would say approve that how could you say it didn't the cia knew it was bs so did the fbi they went forward with it anyway why it was a political maneuver to absolutely ensure that Hillary Clinton was going to be the president and post that to ruin Donald Trump's presidency. I mean, it's the type of stuff oh. that keeps you up at night, the star chamber crap, you yeah. know, where this stuff's going on. And tell me if I'm way off there, did it not prove that? Oh, no, it did. I, yeah. I, I mean, that that is absolutely uh, what happened. And what's disappointing to me is that we already kind of knew a lot of what was in this report. Sure. But then, you know, also... There's nothing suggested as to what what to do. I mean, think about how many people, how many Russian nationals, I'm not talking about just the criminal cases domestically, but how many Russian nationals or entities were sanctioned by the U.S. government or were uh, indicted by Bob Mueller's team during the Mueller investigation for trying to interfere in the outcome of an election. And then you look at what this was. And this is actually a sitting president of the United States, a presidential candidate working with the FBI to attack, using false information, a political enemy. What is the difference between what Hillary Clinton's team (laughs) and the Obama White House did and what some Russian troll farm did? What's the difference? It's, It's deep state. Yeah. All right, we got to get on to this story out of New York with the Marine, yeah. the beloved Michael Jackson impersonator. <laughs> right, sure. Yeah. That was just a little hungry. He's moonwalking um, moon in heaven now. Of course. Yeah. Uh, all right, what is the latest on this? So uh, Daniel Penny, that's the Marine veteran who restrained Jordan Neely, and Jordan Neely passed away. Uh, Steve Razor is the guy's lawyer. He was on Fox News and said Daniel was actually shocked when the medical examiner called it a homicide. And you had asked this question, I think, last week, Jamie. Like, do we know for sure that that it was the, you know, chokehold that killed him? And there may be some other stuff in that medical examiner's report that that shines a light on why that restriction was so dangerous for him. Because, I mean, if the guy's moving around and talking... You're not if you're the guy holding him in a chokehold. You don't assume that you're actually cutting off his airway, right? If Witnesses said no one thought he was in danger. Yeah. So uh, here's the lawyer saying that you know we're going to find out more information, 
So it was a bit shocking, but what we have to really look at there, and what I told Danny too, is I said, Danny, listen, the, the medical examiner came out and reported things about the report. They did not release the report itself. There's a lot of unanswered questions that are in that report that has not yet been released, at least to the public or to his legal team. And I think the public has a right to know what's in that report so we're not jumping to conclusions as a lot of people have. We don't have toxicology reports. We don't have enough information as to what intervening causes there might have been, other health issues that might have been part of the equation here. Yeah. I'm sure it was just love and peace flowing through his bloodstream. All right. <laughs> I know. Well, no one wanted the guy to die. Nope. It's ridiculous we're even having the conversation, or, but we're going to follow it. Over $2 million, huh, people are giving yeah. to this guy's defense oh, yeah. fund. And, yep. it's, and it's and it's only been out there for, a, what, a few days now? Yeah. So who knows where this thing ends up? Interesting story, switching gears to the job market and the disappearing white-collar job out of the Wall Street Journal. I saw the headline on that. What does that mean? It means you have right now what they're calling a once-in-a-generation convergence of technology and pressure to operate more efficiently that has corporations saying, yep, a lot of these jobs aren't coming back. Yep. You could argue that Elon Musk started this at Twitter when he came in and like two-thirds of the staff, see you later. Yep. People are like, how he could do it? How is it even going to operate? Well, it, it didn't stop operating. And all of a sudden you find out, hey, a lot of these jobs were unnecessary. There are a lot more employers that are finding that out so as it says in the story for generations a lot of people thought a corporate job was a path to stable prosperity but not anymore the jobs lost in a months-long cascade of white-collar layoffs triggered by over hiring and rising interest rates might never return that's what a lot of economists say a lot of corporate execs that a lot of companies are rethinking the value of a lot of white-collar roles and it'll be a permanent shift in the labor market. Um, Atif Ravik, who is the former chief digital officer at McDonald's, said, we may be at the peak of the need for knowledge workers. We just need fewer people to do the same thing. Yeah. Like we may need more doers than just sort of thinkers because we got AI now. Yep. And they can do a lot of those jobs. As a matter of fact, one of your heroes, David, Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. Third or fourth worst human being on the planet. Uh, told employees after Facebook, you know, they had more layoffs. That, hey, these jobs aren't coming back because new technologies are going to allow the company to operate more efficiently. And then you've got International Business Machine CEO Arvind Krishna saying, yeah, we're going to pause some hiring to see what kind of back office work can be done with AI. And this is happening all over the place. And so you look at the job market in the future, it's going to be a whole lot different. Plus, over the last few years, you know, there was a lot of binge hiring, as they say, mm -hmm. the pandemic, and you had big tech. You know, people had to stay home. They were using tech. Uh, they don't need it so much. And they've noticed that, man, we've got these managerial layers that are pretty bloated. Not only that, but when you have, you know, so much to go through, you can't make quick decisions. Well, yeah, that's true. It's true yeah. in any business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. The more layers, the worse it gets, yeah. Yes. And so they're looking at, you know, in the future, well, what what are you going to see? You're going to see, well, more people losing their jobs, and you're looking at more of the managerial types that will hang on. 
But if you're just like your regular white collar job, there's a good chance you'll be replaced. Mm. Well, the lift. Their CEO said, uh, we had so many different layers. We cut it from eight to five. So we're going to eliminate a thousand white collar jobs and they're not coming back. Wow. It's just interesting to see where all of that is shifting right now. Another trend, and I had not heard this before. It seems kind of weird. And this was in The Guardian, so take it for what it's worth. Is that a lot of Americans have started speaking in a British accent when they feel awkward in social situations. Just break into it? Yes. Oh, I I think I've seen that, yeah. Really? Where at? Yeah. Well, just when something gets awkward and you want to try to break the tension, you might say something like, tally-ho, you know, something like that. I've se- I, I know a couple of people <laughs> who do that. The look on Robin's face is the best. I just don't know anyone like that, but not, I, I'd like to. Not, so, <laughs> not something I, know, I, I do personally, but I have, I have seen this phenomenon, yes. Wow. They say it's a lot of Gen Zers. I haven't noticed it. Anyway, yes, uh, they said they also do it when they have to confront people and they're uncomfortable. Yeah. So uh, they gave the example asking your roommate to take out the trash and somebody going, can you please take out the rubbish? Yeah. Hello, love. It's like, what do you do? Why are you talking like that? I think uh, to try to make it sound sing-songy and jokey. Like, I'm not okay. mad about it. It's, it's that, like, oh. overcompensation to say, well, I'm not trying to be confrontational here. Got it. Okay. Okay, quick question, real quick. Yeah. If there's a guy, uh, say, first year of college, and he brings home his roommate to his hometown, nobody knows him, and they tell everybody he's uh, British, mm-hmm. and he does the accent the entire weekend and fools everybody, is that just funny or is that mean? No, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> that's funny. Tip of the cap to John Leach. You did great all weekend, bro. I know it was way back in the fall of 85, but, man, good times. Good memories there. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Okay, much more to get to, including Ron DeSantis signing a bill banning woke DEI initiatives into higher education. And the left screamed. Straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. (laughs) Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Uh, Saw this at Daily Wire. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, signed three bills into law yesterday. Place further restrictions on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Golly. You can it's hear like, the left. Oh, it's like every day he wakes up going, how can I piss him off today? Three bills that DeSantis signed were Senate Bill 266 prohibits institutions from spending federal or state dollars on discriminatory DEI initiatives. House Bill 931 prohibits Florida's public institutions from requiring students, faculty, or staff to take a political loyalty test. I, it, <laughs> it was interesting that SB 266 garnered the most news attention because it directly goes after woke ideologies and higher education because it cuts off funding for initiatives that promote, as it says, dangerous political and social activism, such as DEI initiatives. And it says in it, theories that systemic racism, sexism, oppression, and privilege are inherent in the institutions of the United States and were created to maintain social, political, and economic inequities. And the left is like, we've been fighting for this injustice. DeSantis says, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to fund that. Good. You know, to me, it's a blueprint of how to do it. I think he has said that, too, but the guy won't ever be president. 
He ate what? pudding with his fingers. Right. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the pudding with his fingers. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever true or not. But yeah. remember the AI, Ron? Oh, of Somebody course. Somebody did the yeah. artificial with intelligence. With the pudding Ron? with the fingers thing? Yeah, what he should have said? Yes. David has it. Oh, I get requests for this all the time, by the way. Do I have all it? All the time. <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> Hold on. Have it. I, I got to try to find it. Oh, the hard drive my. I have is... Did actually burned. Yeah, we had the air conditioning out the other day. Robbins was, I mean, sweating profusely, going, "It's so hot in here!" And it was the same day that the computer actually melted down. Well, it was, it was hot, very hot in here. Yeah, one, I, I need to, I need to put this in queue to make sure it's the actual sensor. <laughs> oh no, just roll it. No. Just roll it. No, this no, computer will get no. fixed faster if you start playing f bombs on the air. I guarantee it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. I just want to make one thing perfectly clear. You're right. I ate pudding with my fingers. I'm Ron DeSantis. If I want to eat pudding with my fingers, I do it. I don't give a shit. Who's going to stop me? You? Get the out of my face. I'll eat whatever I want with any utensils I feel like. Pizza with a fork. Bring it on. Cheerios out of an empty coffee can with a back scratcher. Zero given. Your mother. Raw, been there, done that. Your rules don't apply to me. Your scorn fills me with joy. Your mother, raw. The best. Your scorn fills this me with joy. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Biggest story of the day, David? Uh, probably that uh, there's a whole lot of people saying nothing to see here with the Durham report uh, investigating the FBI's conduct in investigating Donald Trump as a Russian agent or whatever. There's a lot to see there. Uh, a lot of confirmation that, yes, the FBI went on no evidence and launched this jihad against Donald Trump because they didn't like that he won the election. Yes. No, you still got to convince, you know, half the country that that's true mm-hmm. because media is not going to do it. We'll get to more on that. And then, Robin, you got your big three all set and ready? Yep, ready. Got Robin's trifecta also on the way. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, before we get to the Robin's trifecta, news update, David Van Camp. Oh, buddy. All right, so there is a hearing today on Capitol Hill about uh, the Silicon Valley bank collapse, because, you know, the economy is so strong that you've got regional banks collapsing. This is not a bailout. Mm -hmm, Not a bailout. Well, and uh, (laughs) that's a great spot-on impression of Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, by the way. Thank you. The lip-smacking really sells it, too. Well, yeah, because she owns stock in Werther's Originals. (laughs) Her dividends are just Werther's Originals. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, even hey, Heath the Ledger's the Joker's like, what's that sound? <laughs> the only place you can get those is the Cracker Barrel, along with those. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, I didn't understand. <laughs> well, inflation. you know who is grilling the former CEO who? Of, uh, of Silicon Valley Bank? One Senator John Fetterman. Oh, gosh. This oh, is buddy. just abuse, man. <laughs> Not that out. he's giving in the hearing that putting him out there to be doing the grilling yeah well all of it this is the guy who almost died from a stroke last year and then no one around him loved him enough to tell him to recover uh he continued to run uh beat dr oz in the november uh, uh election and then was hospitalized for six weeks because he was suicidal 
because of his health challenges and other and the pressures of the job. But anyway, they say he's fine now. Um, mm -hmm. Here's how this went. They also realizes that 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 now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no by, by how you know so it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how there's their conduct is time out sorry this is terrible Okay, we don't know. Tell me if I'm way off. Yeah, my gut is we don't know. I mean, mentally, how capable he is. We really have no idea. I think we have an idea. It could be mentally, he's all the way there, but because of the stroke and everything else, it doesn't come out. Well, let's just say fluid, mm -hmm. right? But it's embarrassing. To put him out there in that position. I mean, to do the grilling? You need propane first. I mean, dude, right. the guy can't put a sentence together. No. I don't even know what the question was. It was about bailouts. and Was whether there an or not. answer that came from... Well, I'll, I'll, I think he was seeking an answer at some point because there's like a five-second pause here. And I don't even know how to answer. Yeah. The former CEO is like, yeah. is there a question somewhere there? Or, yeah, or, I, I don't know what that is. What is that? Uh, it goes on. Okay. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Republicans want to give a, a work requirement for SNAP. You know, for a, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, requirements. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank with billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more pre preoccupied uh, when than SNAP uh, and requirements for works for hungry people but not about protecting the tax, the tax papers, you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. Wow, this is uh, rare on this show. It's Everyone's afraid of saying something too over the edge. Well, <laughs> dude, he well, can't do it. This he can't, can't happen. No, this it can't, can't be allowed to happen. No, no, if he goes back and watches that later, and he is of right mind... How are you not depressed? This can't be allowed to happen. Yeah, no. And I, I just can't. I, I mean, there's a little bit more, and we will get to somewhat of an answer from the former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, but I, I think if you are of right mind, let's, for the sake of argument, let's just say you are. I okay. don't think he is, but I don't let's either. say he is. If you are, then wouldn't you insist on having, like, a talk-to-text thing? Like, if you had a yeah. senator who let's say, had throat cancer yes, and, and can't speak anymore right? as a result of this. You can make accommodations for that, you know, the talk to te or text to talk or have somebody else ask the question, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. You can have somebody do that. Surely you can make accommodations. But I, I, I almost, and maybe this is too hot of a take, but I, I almost feel like, they, the Democrats are insisting that he go out there and do this because they're afraid of, or I'm not, they're not afraid of this. They want their opponents to be afraid of criticizing this because this is not normal. This is not okay. Totally agree with you.
Yeah, because who would actually criticize this guy that's trying to overcome and has gone through depression? Well, it's not criticizing him as a person. What you're saying is that he is not capable of doing the job required. Yeah, if anything, I have empathy. Yes, and there are other things that he can do. I hold the other people responsible for this, the scoundrels that did this. Oh, yeah. The horrible people. Yes, who totally pushed agree. him into this. I mean, he's not... the victim. I think he's the victim. Again, man, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. How I, much I of right mind is he? I, I think he's been victimized, but I don't know if I'd call him the victim because yeah, at the end of the agree. day, you know, he is still an adult man who who you would think could make some sort of decision. But mm-hmm. I agree, the bigger monsters are the people around him who are who are propping him up. The same people who took, you know, basically the, the what's left of Diane Feinstein and wheeled her into the Senate so they could try to uh confirm pro abortion judges. Yeah, I mean, if you want to start going down the list, I mean, Greta Thunberg. Yeah, right. Dude, the stuff she spouts, I mean, it's not true. She, But I think she's legitimately scared to death that the planet's going to die in 10 years. It's the same people that are looking to capitalize. It's bad, man. Is there more audio? Or is there, that it? there is more audio if oh, you can buddy. stomach it. Okay. So doesn't it feel that, like, because every, every bank, you seemingly that, that crashed. It's like, hey, we, we could bail him out. Yeah, this one, you know, you know, crashed. We'll ba- we'll we'll bail them out. So far, everything's been true. So doesn't it feel that uh, now, if the bank really believed that they wouldn't be bailed out, now after bailing them out, these couple of bail- bailouts, they are going to. Do you believe that that is not outrageous? That no matter how how deplorable your performance is, you are made as whole, and all by by, oh, by test test papers. So what do you what do you believe? What if what if they, what if what if we oh, didn't come boy. out and bail out your bank? What would have happened? So, Senator, I would answer the, the question two ways. One is, I think, when people mostly talk about what you just said, it's talking about shareholders. Yeah, I. Most people hear what he just said and have no idea what no the idea hell he, what just, he said. just said. But you're I, trying to compare SNAP benefits and you have to work to this bailout. Yeah. It's hard enough to make that comparison if you can speak eloquently, mm-hmm. let alone in the state he's in. Yeah. Well, think, it's all over the place. I think the CEO guy is trying to help out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think he feels like, crap, I'm devil in deep blue sea here. Yeah. and, the, and I mean, nothing I can do. I got I to gotta help bail this guy out. Yeah. And I think the, the point, yeah, he's speaking of bailouts here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Got to make this right. dude. I got to bail this guy out. Seems somewhat sentient, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's you brutal. ready for your big three there, Scott? Woo! That is brutal. Give me a give me a second. You want to okay. go down to uh, two today? Just trying to process all of this. It's just like right. coming at me like a hundred miles an hour, and I'm like, what is? Are happening? you ready? What world do I live in? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins, it's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins show. Every day this time, Scott Robbins trifecta usually helped by Casey Case. I think he's on vacation. He's gone still. Hey, are you okay. gone? Yes. Right. Uh, he got what's caught number up one? The, he got caught up in the fire. Yeah, number three. We count him down. Oh yeah, three, what's two, number one. three? Casey uh, does yeah, it the yeah, best. Yeah. Uh, number three. 
All signs point to Mike Pence entering the Republican presidential primary race. Why? I don't know. I said the same thing. A super PAC has been launched to help Mike Pence committed to America. That's the name of the PAC. The executive director is a former Brian Kemp strategist who plans to use the governor's playbook in a national race. I like Mike Pence. I just don't see it. I like Mike Pence, too, but here, here's what I think. Did anybody the, even talk about this guy in that role? No. I, here's what I think the play may be if Mike Pence goes through with it and decides he's going to run. It's to take incoming fire from Trump to protect other potential nominees. Yeah, I suppose. And then a lot of times people run for president for future employment somewhere yeah. else or stature. They know they can't win, so but they're going to do it anyway. So this is a chessboard thing going on, though. Well, but, and sometimes for one's career. Yeah. I don't think he really thinks he can win. I don't. He's in single digits right now. Yeah. I mean, no one's talking about this guy being a potential president. No. No one. Okay, two. Wow. Uh, number two, uh, Joe Biden was awarded an honorary degree for his work uh, this past week. Uh, Babylon B issued this uh, piece today on it. Joe Biden was recently awarded an honorary doctorate degree from Howard University, a rare honor bestowed upon him just three years after he became honorary president. (laughs) (laughs) Howard University, named after intellectual and philosopher Howard the Duck, granted the Howard uh, the honorary president the prestigious honorary doctorate because of his unity-based unification and popularity among oligarchs and all tycoons. (laughs) Honorary President Biden was then asked to say a few words whenever he was finished eating his own diploma. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the B. I love the Babylon B. The Scott Robbins trifecta, top three of the day, and what is number one? New York City opening migrant centers in public school gyms. We touched on this briefly. Uh, pretty disturbing if you're a parent uh, of a kid in the New York City school system. Mayor Adams has come up with a solution to the housing influx of Biden migrants. And a lot of parents not very happy about this. Adams is taking a beating right now for kicking the homeless vets out of housing in favor of the illegals. And now he's taking flack for kicking kids out of their school gyms in favor of creating migrant housing centers on school grounds. Most of the migrants are young men. They don't know where they're from exactly. But Adams apparently thinks that housing these men in public schools is a great idea. Parents are not feeling it so much. Well, usually if it's legacy media doing the stories about people coming into the country, it Mm -hmm. is the families. There Mm -hmm. are a lot of ladies involved. But when you see actual video all over the place, you see a lot of dudes. Yeah, single dudes all going to be housed in a school gymnasium. Great idea. You know, when you declare your city a sanctuary city, I go back to this. This is what you're going to get. You don't think it's ever coming to you, but it's coming to you. It's there right now. Thank you, Scott. Virtue signaling jack wagons. This is what happens. And that is the trifecta. And hey, you voted for this stuff. Can you yell a little more? No. I didn't hear what you, what did you say? I couldn't hear it. I said you voted for this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> God dang it. Idiots. All right. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you. News update. And Nimrod's in the news straight ahead. The Mark the Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Martin, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. So we had the Durham report drop yesterday uh, confirming that, yes, the Hillary Clinton campaign organized this entire disinformation effort about Donald Trump 
being a Russian agent and working with the Russians to try to steal the election and whatnot. Uh, and the Obama White House knew about it, and the FBI knew it was all fake. But they went ahead and opened up this full investigation anyway. They spied on a presidential candidate and then a president of the United States to try to uh, sully his reputation, to try to kneecap his presidency. I mean, initially it was to prevent him from being president altogether. Yep. Uh, but then it, uh, the mission changed, obviously. Uh, Babylon B has a funny headline. It's got a, uh, the, the, the picture shows Jake Tapper from CNN, Joy Reid from MSNBC, Scott Pelley from CBS, and Anderson Cooper from CNN. And the headline is, media admits they lied about that Russia collusion thing, but are totally telling the truth about everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quick question, too, on this with... Uh... Durham report everything else. So the White House has this quick briefing, right? Yeah. And it's John Kirby out there. It's not Corinne Jean Pierre. Mm-hmm. We've seen this several times. Are we saying that she's not up to the task? Well, you got to remember that Joe Biden is is extremely racist and sexist, and so yeah, he can't he can't abide to have a, a the women folk out there speaking for him in a time of. Uh, such drama but this is a glass ceiling smasher well yeah but they'll just give her the easy stuff okay because again joe biden hates women and especially black women hmm it's crazy how that happens it's really strange you would think if it was someone else they would be saying hey what you think she's not capable that she can't do the job so you need to have the white man out there john kirby Mm -hmm. hmm Heck of a deal. Uh, All right. What a day. The Fetterman audio that you had earlier. Oh, my God. Thinking about that for a while. I know. Brutal, man. In so many different ways. Wow. It's stunning. We'll see what the reaction is to that. All right. We got to get the Nimrods of the news. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrod's in the news. We go to South Carolina. A man and a woman pulled over the other night. They were acting nervous. Told the cops, uh, she's pregnant. Okay. So the deputy said, well, when's the due date? And then the couple gave conflicting responses. Hmm. Well, as it turns out, the woman was not pregnant. Was just wearing a fake rubber belly. Oh. Mm. The woman thought the cops were suspicious, so she made a run for it. But in the process, a bunch of drugs fell from the fake belly. Oh, no. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. Mm -hmm. So, I know some people had some fun with this online. She gave birth to over 1,500 grams of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's over three pounds. Yeah. They were both arrested, charged with drug trafficking. Hmm. Fake belly wouldn't hold it. How many dudes that are saying their women are going to be buying the fake belly? You know that's next. <laughs> this is the Mark Van Camp and Robin Show.